Good morning, Cornerstone. I'm glad to see you all this morning. My name is Justin, and I'll be reading today's scripture reading. Today's scripture reading comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As a good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the chosen of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love, all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil, at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, Cornerstone, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Today's text from Ecclesiastes 9 focuses on the certainty of death and the gift of life. Now, some consider these verses the most pessimistic uh, section in the whole book of Ecclesiastes because the focus is on death and the ultimate end as the ultimate end of everyone on earth. So that's kind of depressing. But the good news is those of us who are in Christ Jesus have hope beyond the grave because of the eternal life he has offered us by his grace. So we keep that in mind as we look at the truth that is presented here in Ecclesiastes. It's morbid conversation to remind people of their upcoming death. It'd be like uh, our introducing ourselves to someone that we've met for the first time, uh, saying something like, oh, hello, my name is Jeff. Of course, we wouldn't shake hands now because of COVID. So, you know, my name is Jeff and you will die someday. Now, they may take that as a threat if we don't clarify uh, after the fact. How do you think you will die? When will you die? Uh, during what occasion? will you die? Will you die quickly or slowly? These are very morbid thoughts. It, 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 I agree. 
And most people hope to die quickly and suddenly. Uh, people don't want to linger and die slowly and in agony. And especially we would rather not anticipate the time of our death coming if we knew when that would be. I would rather not know. I visited my mother in Albany, New York last week, and she shared with me how a, one dog owner in her community had tied up her dog right at the edge of their patio uh, in the back of their uh, townhome or apartment. And their dog was very small and cute. And then all of a sudden, this hawk swooped down out of the air and grabbed a hold of this tiny little dog with its talons and flew away with it, never to be seen again. You can imagine the horror of the owner and how brutal a death that would be for the dog, that little dog. Death comes suddenly and unexpected to us. Ecclesiastes 9 begins saying, But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. The term here, in the hand of God, means God's control and possession. So whatever's in his hand, he has control over and he has possession of. Living in humility before God means knowing that all that happens in life is in God's hand. Now, as followers of Jesus, our hope is in the hand of God. As 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 remind us, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. We trust in God's sovereignty. Not ever knowing whether we will experience prosperity or adversity, love or hate whatever comes our way, but we can trust in God's sovereignty because we know He cares for us. The preacher of Ecclesiastes states this truth because it's important to understand that death is also in the hand of God. Now, the preacher refers to death here in the text as the same event. Uh, in verses 2 and verse 3, Three, listen again to these verses. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all, also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Death is the great equalizer of all mankind. Everyone dies. The good, the bad, the rich, the poor, the faithful, the unfaithful. Everyone dies. Death is described here as an evil and all that is done under the sun. The preacher states here 
a fundamental doctrinal truth of our faith, that the hearts of all people are full of evil. Now, this is the doctrine of original sin. Every single person is born with sinful and selfish uh, intent from the very beginning. Our, our hearts are full of evil. Even the good things we can say that we do are full of and mixed with evil intentions. As the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Now, this was the result of Adam and Eve's sin against God and their sinful nature then, as a result of that, was passed on to all their descendants. A baby is born with an evil intent. I mean, that's why we need to teach our children from very beginning of life how to share because of that evil intent. If we didn't teach them that, they wouldn't share. They would just take things for themselves. That is the sinful nature. And it may take time and development for us to see this in our children. As they develop, it'll become more and more obvious. And then after that, we all see the world through this selfish intent, this sinful nature. And we want to rule our lives as if we have control of our lives. But the truth is that our lives are in the hand of God. Death is the punishment given by God for sin. Romans 6.23 states this truth, saying, For the wages of sin is death. And that is why all will die. So death is actually God's justice in action. So when God created the world and the universe, and Adam and Eve, and he placed them on the earth, he made everything to last for eternity. But the punishment of Adam and Eve's sin was death. And not only for them, but for all creation, this had an effect. As Romans 8, verses 20 and 21 allude to, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And until Jesus returns to rid the world and the universe of sin and death, this death and this decay in this creation will continue. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 12, then goes on to state, For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. Here the truth is being stated that we don't know the time of our death. We may know it is getting closer, as I do, the older we get, right, we know it's coming closer. Um, but especially if we get a terminal illness or we get very sick and fragile, uh, we may know it's getting closer uh, faster then. But we still don't even know exactly when we will die, when death will come. A guy in my class 
in high school uh, was crushed underneath his car that he was working on. It fell off the stands somehow, and it just crushed him. Sudden death. Our brother Yushu Ting from the Mandarin congregation died just this past May 1st from COVID-19. It was a, he got sick, and then he went to the hospital, and then he ended up dying. Unexpected. Sudden. Death comes often when we least expect it. Author Philip Yancey shares in his book titled The Jesus I Never Knew, he shares in his early childhood how he came to associate Easter with death because of what happened to the only cat he had ever owned. The cat's name was Boots. She was a six-week-old kitten, solid black with, except for the white boots, they called it, on each leg. It was like the cat had stepped into a shallow um, pan of white paint. That's what it looked like, at least. So they called her Boots. And she lived in a cardboard box uh, on the screened porch, and she slept on a pillow uh, full of shaved, made of shaved um, cedar shavings. And the Yancey's mother had insisted that Boots needed to learn how to defend herself before they should, they should let her outside into the big outdoors. So they set a date uh, that on Easter Sunday they would let Boots out into their backyard for, for her first test of being in the big outdoors. So Easter Sunday arrived, and the sun was out, and the flowers were in full bloom, and Boots was let out, and she sniffed her first blade of grass that she ever had, uh, batted her first daffodil that was out there in the backyard, and she stalked her first butterfly, leaping high into the air, but missing, uh, didn't catch the butterfly. She kept Yancey and his family entertained until the neighbor kids came over to for an Easter egg hunt. And when the next-door neighbors arrived, the unthinkable happened. Uh, their pet Boston Terrier pugs followed them into the yard, saw Boots, and then growled and charged. Yancey screamed. Everyone ran toward Boots. And already Pugs had the tiny kitten in its mouth and was shaking it like a sock. They all yelled at Pugs, trying to scare Pugs off. Helplessly, they just watched. And finally, Pugs dropped the limp kitten on the grass and trotted off. All that afternoon, Yancey prayed for a miracle, but none came. Boots was dead. Then from then on, Easter Sundays throughout Yancey's childhood was associated with this memory of that death on the grass. Death is coming for each of us, and we don't know when. Unexpectedly, suddenly, it'll arrive. And thankfully, Jesus conquered death once and for all by dying himself. So, and then, therefore, because of his resurrection from the dead after, we now have eternal life offered to us for those of us who will believe in and follow Jesus as Lord. So we have hope beyond death at this point in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So we who follow Jesus, whenever death is coming to us and we know it's close, we have nothing to fear. Instead, we have everything to look forward to. Because beyond the grave, beyond death, 
the best is yet to come in Christ Jesus. This is the truth stated in the rest of Romans 6.23 that I read earlier, saying, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death is not only the same event that is referred to um, and that happens to everyone, but also what happens to everyone is the exceptions to the norms in life. And this is what the preacher describes in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, saying, Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. We expect the fastest runner to win. We expect that the strongest will win the battle. But we know here, the preacher, as he's stating, that the reality is what is expected doesn't always happen in life. And the preacher explains this simply by saying, but time and chance happen to them all. And by time and chance, the preacher simply means disaster. This is the equivalent of the word hate in verse 1, when he said love or hate. We don't know. Nobody knows when disaster is going to take place, except for maybe when you're in the path of a hurricane and you don't evacuate. Then the images we, we already heard of in verse 12 uh, describe the horror of this happening by saying that it's like a fish that gets trapped in a net, is caught in a net, or a bird that is... Uh, caught in a snare. And both of these traps that is described here lead to death. That's the purpose of trapping the fish in, this, in the bird. The unexpectedness of such things mirror what the preacher observes among people in life. Disaster befalls people when they least expect it. Now, things like, we could say, unemployment or violence or injustice or sickness, or loneliness, or any other of these things that happen um, uh, among people that we know or are among ourselves. Why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do good things happen to bad people? Well, it's because time and chance happen to everyone. This is what the preacher is bringing out, what he has observed. But take heart, for everything is in the hand of God. Even through disaster and tragedy, God's work is being done. His plan is being carried out because everything is in the hand of God. As before, the preacher states that we can enjoy the gift of life, especially here in this context in light of death. Or in other words, we should live like we're dying. And listen to how the preacher puts it in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. He says there, But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. The preacher prefers life to death. He makes that clear. Even a lowly dog, which is despised in the Middle Eastern culture, is better off than a dead lion, which is respected as strong, but it's dead. But the, the reason the preacher puts forward 
for choosing life uh, is because the living know they will die. It's an interesting argument here. The living who accept the reality of death as in the hand of God are able then to embrace the joy life has to offer. When we see life as a gift from God, the joy of the Lord himself is our strength. Uh, But no such possibility exists for those who have already died because their time has passed. Live like we are dying. Listen again to the truth stated, this truth that is stated in verses 7 through 10 of Ecclesiastes 9. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the place where the dead go. And here it states wearing white clothes and oil on the head, which symbolize joy and festivity. And the three specific areas of joy mentioned in these verses, 7 through 10, are feasting, which he mentions through eating and drinking of wine, uh, marriage, and the work we do. The difference in these words here are compared, or as compared to these earlier statements like this, as we heard over and over again in Ecclesiastes, he comes back to this idea of enjoying the things of life when we live in humility before God. It allows us to do this. But here it's different because the wording is different. Instead of uh, suggesting these, this, he commands, he uses imperatives here in the Hebrew language. And he's commanding us to go and eat and drink with joy, to enjoy our spouse and with all our strength to do the work God has given us to do. Live like we're dying. Live like there's no tomorrow. Uh, But plan as if tomorrow will come, just in case. Death is a certainty in life. But life is a gift from God. Therefore, we are to live joyfully, knowing that there may be no tomorrow. We might call this living life to the fullest. Listen to the words of Nehemiah in the Old Testament that now would apply to us who follow Jesus uh, on our, in a daily way. Uh, every day they could apply. Um, he says, Nehemiah said to this to the Israelites immediately after the Israelites had heard the, the word of God read to them. He says, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And note the connection between the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, and living a life of celebration because life itself is the gift of God. You know, this truth was great comfort to me 
recently, uh, two Saturdays ago. I woke up feeling great on a, that Saturday morning. But then when I sat up in bed, the room started spinning violently. And so I laid back down. And after a short while, it subsided. So I sat back up. And the same thing happened again. It was so bad that I couldn't even sit up straight. So I ended up laying back down. And after about 30 minutes of like dozing in and out, um, I tried sitting up again. And the same thing happened. And so at that time, uh, I said to May, who was right next to me in bed, uh, I said, there's something wrong with me. And so, I mean, I couldn't walk without the help. May got her walker for me to, to use, and I was using the walls as well to keep me steady. Um, it, was, it was like I was on a boat in rough seas. It was, everything was moving around. So I, I made public that I was canceling all my plans for the day, uh, and, and then um, Karina Lee texted me uh, on my phone and what started asking me all these questions. And so I answered these questions, and she diagnosed me with what is called benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. And then she provided me with uh, specific instructions on a physical maneuver to do to address this, to fix it. So I followed the instructions, and amazingly, it was like a flick of a switch. I was better. I was fixed. The, my unbalance was gone. I had my balance restored. And this experience impressed on me just how fragile my health was, and therefore my life. It really unbalanced me a little bit beyond just my physical balance. We truly are in the hands of the living God. Whatever comes our way, whether it be disaster or abundance, God's plan is carried out, and He Himself is our strength and our joy. Brothers and sisters, let us live like we're dying, like there's no tomorrow, because life is a gift, and we don't know how much more of life we have, but with whatever we have this moment, God wants us to enjoy it with the blessings He has provided us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the life that you have given us. We are grateful for the eternal life and the way of salvation you have provided us by placing our trust in you, because that is the only hope that we have. You are the only joy that we can experience in this life when we live in humility before you as our creator, as our savior, as our friend. And so, Lord, we throw ourselves at your feet in worship of you, our Lord and our God, and we pray that our lives would only reflect this truth that you're, you exist, that you are a God of love and grace and forgiveness. If only people would humble themselves and submit themselves to you. Lord, revive our hearts. Remind us of this truth time and time again, especially this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
brothers and sisters and Cornerstone. It's great being with you again, sharing God's word. God bless.